Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Good evening, I'm Dr. Gina, and welcome to Primetime. We start off tonight with a fake news alert. Now, over on CNN, Chris Cuomo has announced that he can't cover negative news about his brother, the governor of New York, who has, of course, as you know, been accused of sexual harassment by several women. Check it out. Before we start tonight, uh, let me say something that I'm sure is very obvious to you who watch my show. And thank you for that. You're straight with me. I'll be straight with you. Obviously, I'm aware of what's going on with my brother. And obviously, I cannot cover it because he is my brother. Now, of course, CNN has to cover it. They have covered it extensively, and they will continue to do so. I have always cared very deeply about these issues, and profoundly so. I just wanted to tell you that there's a lot of news going on that matters also, so let's get after that. Can you just see how saddened Chris Cuomo is that he's so restrained by the strict tenets of journalistic integrity that he cannot report negative news about a, his brother? I think I saw a tear coming out of his eye. But, you know, I remember when he could report a lot of stuff that was positive about his brother. Remember that? The crew over at Just the News is on top of this Cuomo story. The story just posted there describes his dirty tricks while working in the Clinton administration at the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Yesterday, another woman emerged to accuse Governor Cuomo of unwanted sexual advances. A woman named Anna Ruck, who worked for Obama and also on the Biden campaign, described her encounter with Cuomo. She says he tried to kiss her after brushing his, his after she brushed his hands away from her bare back. And another woman, um, another woman also described similar encounters with Cuomo. Although we shouldn't forget that Cuomo is being investigated for his mishandling of the COVID crisis in his own state. The governor sent COVID positive patients back to nursing homes, and then covered up the number of deaths that were caused by his own actions and his disastrous policy. But the world is now focused on claims of sexual harassment against him. Just the News reports that Hillary Clinton has issued a statement about Governor Cuomo and the allegations that are piling up against him. Hillary Clinton said these stories are difficult to read and the allegations brought forth raise serious questions that the women who have come forward and all New Yorkers deserve answers to. And she went on to say, I'm glad to see that there will be a full, independent and thorough investigation. That didn't sound like believe all women when it's an accusation against Trump or a Trump Supreme Court nominee or basically any conservative, all women must be believed. Remember, 
Remember, we heard this over and over again. There are a handful of Democrats calling for Cuomo to resign, though. New York Democrat Congresswoman Kathleen Rice has become the first congressional Democrat to call for Cuomo's resignation. But don't be fooled into thinking that Democrats are suddenly going to grow a conscience or something. These are people who can see the way the wind is blowing. Cuomo's already weakened by the nursing home scandal. And now that women are piling sexual harassment claims, some Democrats are sure that Cuomo's time is short. So they're piling on. But if, if Cuomo was running for president right now on the Democrat ticket, this, mark my words, friends, would not be happening. Democrats would be circling the wagons just like they did when Joe Biden faced claims that were much worse than this during his entire campaigns. Accusations of racism, accusations from women, accusations about his interchanges with children. Remember when former Senate staffer Tara Reid came forward during the Biden campaign. She accused Biden of sexually assaulting her back when he was a senator in the 1990s. And Democrats defended Biden. And the media barely made a blip about it. So do not be fooled as some Democrats now turn on Cuomo as if they have all of this integrity. They, my friends, pick and choose and pretend to believe these women now that it's easy to do so and they think he's going down anyway. It would be nice to hear from Joe Biden, wouldn't it? He still hasn't taken questions from the press since really being sworn in. Presidents have traditionally given a State of the Union address every year around this time. In a president's first year, they don't call it a State of the Union address. They call it an address before a joint session of Congress. And then they give the State of the Union that. But no matter what you want to call it, it's just a long-standing tradition to give this speech in January or February each year. But now that it's March, people are wondering if... Joe Biden just frankly isn't up to it. The media and the new Capitol Police chief are giving Biden cover on this as well. The headline again over at uh, Governor Cuomo's Brothers Network says this. Capitol Police chief warns militia groups want to blow up the Capitol when Biden addresses Congress. So it may not be safe for Joe Biden to come to the Capitol to give the speech as it has been done traditionally every year. Hmm. Although one would think that if these mysterious militia groups are planning attacks on the Capitol, that they would be rounded up and arrested at the threat. And so it would be, the threat would be essentially eliminated. Planning an attack against the president and members of Congress will get you a very long prison sentence. So where are all of these arrests? Let's get these evil terrorists who are planning these attacks. You know, let's get them out. Building a wall around the Capitol can only do so much. So if this threat is real, then let's just eliminate it. But if the threat is not real, then the conspiracy theories that are dividing Americans need to end now. And repeating a lie that right-wing extremists are a threat to the safety of Americans is a very dangerous political tactic that is causing a large number of Americans to hate one another and to fear their fellow citizens because of lies propagated by the media and the left. So if this isn't real, this needs to come to a stop. Arrests or stop it. All right, now, before I get more fired up, let's get to our hosts and correspondents around America who are the boots on the ground, keeping us surprised of everything that's happening that you need to know about and that 
I would dare say is not reported anyplace else. Let's start in Denver at our RAV TV headquarters with Jessica Rivera. Jessica, great to see you tonight. What do you have for us? Likewise, Dr. Gina, the House recently passed the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. It's the $1.9 trillion COVID aid bill, and it's now waiting for approval from the Senate. But what's in the bill? Well, President Joe Biden says this is what it's closer to doing. We are one step closer to putting $1,400 in the pockets of Americans. But one specific area of the bill that sticks out is the part having to do with federal employees. The current bill says full-time federal employees can take up to 600 hours, $35 an hour, and $1,400 a week in paid leave up until September 30th. This comes out to 15 weeks of paid leave for a full-time employee. The bill also includes part-time and seasonal federal employees into this paid leave. Meanwhile, non-government workers are going to get a one-time payment of $1,400, and that's if they qualify. So, Dr. Gina, Congress feels it's appropriate to pay government workers not a one-time payment of $1,400, but 15 payments of $1,400, while parents are struggling to balance their non-government job from home and teach their kids all at the same time. According to Congress, their struggles are worth $1,400, and government employee struggles are, I guess, worth $21,000. Let that sink in for a minute. After learning this, American workers shouldn't only be mad, this should make it very clear to them. As many say, the swamp will always take care of the swamp, while the rest of America is supposed to sit back, take it, and not complain. Pandemic, I know you remember this because I remember it very vividly. Hasn't the government been telling us we're in this together? Well, the current American Rescue Plan Act of 2021 says just the opposite. It says it's the American people losing battle against the American government. And the swamp thickens itself, doesn't it? Amazing, Jessica. Thank you for uncovering that. And as I love to say on this show, we do the math and the science that the left never actually wants to talk about. They say they like science. They never really actually talk about math. But we talk about math and science every single night on this show. And Jessica, you just uh, made that even more clear. Thank you so much for that report. Of course. You're welcome. Let's head on out to check in with Alec Nitzberg. He is the fast file reporter at Just the News. Alex. Hey, Dr. Gina, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Now, Alex, Congressman Jim Jordan wants to take on cancel culture. Tell us what he's doing. Yeah, Representative Jordan, a congressman from the state of Ohio, has sent a letter. He, Jordan is the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, and he sent a letter to the chairman of that committee, Representative Gerald Nadler. And he's what he's asking for, Jordan is asking for Nadler, he wants the committee, the Judiciary Committee, to have a hearing on so-called cancel culture, which most people are familiar with. It's the idea of people getting canceled. For instance, a really famous example of it would be uh, President Trump, or now former President Trump, getting kicked off of Twitter and other platforms. Um, that's just one example, but Representative Jordan would like for the first uh, full hearing of the House Judiciary Committee and the 117th Congress to be devoted to examining this issue, which he describes as a threat to, you know, the foundational American principle of free speech. In fact, I believe that he made a comment on Just the News AM yesterday saying that it was like the biggest threat to freedom uh, that we face. And so he's written this letter requesting that they have this hearing now. Gerald Nadler, obviously, who chairs this committee as a Democrat, Representative Jordan is a Republican. The odds of a Democrat taking this letter from a Republican and being like, you know what? Yeah, we're going to do that. I would assume that's probably not going to happen, but we'll have to wait and see. 
uh, whether or not this is either the first hearing or any hearing that ever occurs uh, in this uh, session. But that's what Representative Jordan is asking for. Alex, speaking of cancel culture, the latest cancel culture story over at Just the News is about Dr. Seuss. The headline there reads, six Dr. Seuss books won't be published due to their racist images. Alex, did we suddenly uncover the hidden racism of Dr. Seuss himself? And this is his birthday of all days. Now they decide to uh, cancel his legacy and his uh, six of his books. What happened here? Well, I'm not exactly sure what has happened there, um, but I, I looked at something earlier today that it sounded like the, I don't know if you call it the estate or whoever's in charge of the Dr. Seuss books that indicated that they were going to be pulling some, some books uh, but I'm not actually sure exactly what the deal is with that. But it's part, it's once again part of cancel culture, where different people and organizations are, are getting attacked, um, you know, for for different things, where be it possible racism or something else. One other issue I, I wanted to bring up with you is the Cuomo thing, which I heard you introduced a lot of these topics in your monologue at the beginning. But Andrew Cuomo, the embattled New York governor, has been, like you said, under serious scrutiny for a number of issues. One, the nursing home desk, which you mentioned. He's also been under scrutiny for sexual harassment allegations. And like the latest one you mentioned from Anna Rook, uh, the New York Times reported about this last night, that she had never met Andrew Cuomo before, but she met him at a 2019 wedding reception. And while she was there, she claims that the governor put his hand on the small of her back and, he, and she removed it, which she said, you know, should be an indication that she didn't want it there. And then he referred to her as aggressive, according to Anna Rook. This is what she said. Governor, the governor referred to her as aggressive, allegedly. And then he put his hands on her cheeks, she says, and, and asked if he could kiss her. That's what her allegation is. The interesting thing is that there's a photo in the New York Times story that shows the governor with what looks like his hands on this woman's head. Uh, so there's some corroboration to her allegations, at least in the sense of that. And then also the, the story said, the New York Times story, it actually said that, uh, and I'm reading from the story, it said, Shaken, Mrs. Miss Rook said she later had to ask a friend if Miss Cuomo's lips had made contact with her face as she pulled away. The governor had kissed her cheek, she was told. So that's the latest one. And um, obviously before that, we had a Lindsay Boylan who had alleged that the governor, when she was like walking out of his office, kissed her on the lips, an obviously unwanted kiss. And she'd also made another allegation, for instance, that he had made a comment like, let's play strip poker uh, when they were on an airplane together at one point. And then there was this other second woman in between those two. Now, the governor has come out and he's uh, made a statement. I believe it was on February 28th. There was a statement in, in which he said, to be clear, I never inappropriately touched anybody and never propositioned anybody and never intended to make anyone feel uncomfortable. But, you know, we have these three allegations at this point, And then the question is, will there be more coming in the future? And also, just recently, news broke that uh, some lawmakers in New York are targeting the governor's emergency coronavirus powers, looking to kind of restrict right. those. So he's facing a lot of different uh, fronts at the same time with things that are kind of, you know, scandals cropping up or alleged scandals. It just keeps coming. And that's why some Democrats, I think, are piling on. Alex, thank you so much for all of that. And happy birthday to you. You share that birthday, apparently, with uh, lots, of, uh, lots of people. I told you at the beginning of this show, there are lots of people, but including Dr. Seuss. So happy birthday. Thank you, Dr. Gina. All right. Coming up, another red state opened up completely today and got rid of all of their COVID restrictions. And New York City has the craziest rules. They just they just created a rule. You're not going to believe this. Keep people from dancing. Not a joke. All that coming up throughout the show tonight. And the man with the best name ever is up next. Hogan Gidley coming up. Don't miss it. More Dr. Gina Primetime coming at you. Stay with us.
Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to Gina Primetime. Now, as I told you in the open, each year in January or February, the president ordinarily gives a State of the Union address. It's tradition. And if you haven't noticed, it's now March. On top of that, Biden still has not taken questions from the press since he took the oath of office. So what is he so afraid of? Maybe he's worried that he might make a blunder like this, where he goes off a prompter and tries to read the number of vaccinations given, but instead he reads the number of Americans who have died of COVID. This is insanity. Listen. The actual number of vaccines that have been administered. As of today, five, as of last night, 503,587. Every single one matters. Yeah, he just read the number of 500,000 COVID deaths and confused that with the number of people vaccinated. So maybe his handlers don't think he could handle a prime time address to the nation. And I don't wonder why. So maybe they decided just to skip this year. Here with me now to discuss former Deputy White House Press Secretary Hogan Gidley. Hogan, so great to see you. Hogan, what the heck? Sleepy Joe, what would you do if you were handling this man as your president. Well, thankfully, I didn't have to handle this man. Right. I had Donald Trump, who could go on for two and a half hours about missing <laughs> a beat, have the crowd riveted and the press paying attention. It's very obvious Joe Biden has problems. We talked about this in the campaign. He's got them here now. Um, the, 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 the bumbles, the mess-ups, the misspeaks are becoming so unavoidable for the mainstream media. We see them and we mock him a little bit for messing up. I mean, look, all politicians, all speakers say a wrong word every now and sure, then. Sure, of course. He's getting major things wrong. And as you pointed out, the State of the Union, which is a really good moment for the country to hear the vision of uh, the President of the United States talk about what they want to accomplish, a new president. Here's where we were. Here's where we can be. Right. What would he say in a State of the Union? We used to have jobs in the oil industry. Now right. we don't. You used to be able to afford gas. Now you can't. Right. We took a plan from the previous president, and it's moving really, really well and strong for the American people. We used to have a border that protected American communities and American families and American workers. Now we don't. I mean, the message he would be able to deliver Peace. would be horrible. We, we've destroyed <laughs> women's nations. athletics. Right. I mean, like, he's completely ruined um, the, the gains of the last four years. And we talked about this on the campaign, that this man, this party, the Democrats, are going to try and make this country a socialist, leftist nation. They're doing it every single day. And I think the American people already are starting to feel the effects of that real policy, and they don't like it. Did it feel to you almost like when President Donald Trump made his speech at CPAC this weekend, he felt it incumbent upon him to give a State of the Union address to the American people because Joe Biden hadn't done that? It almost felt that way to me. Like, Donald Trump felt like, okay, someone's got to do this. I realize we've gone from America first to America last, and but the American people need to hear 
about where we are. Right, but also who controls the narrative in this country? It's yeah. the media, it's the colleges and universities, and it's Hollywood, and it's also big tech, all controlled by the left. So what we saw in that speech, yes, it was like a State of the Union, but it also reminded me that the, the media who was in the room refused to talk about the real state of our union. This president came out and said, look at what we were able to accomplish. Look at how horrible the Democrats are governing the country in a short amount of time. We have to take back Congress in 2022, and we have to take back the White House in 2024. He even made a nod and a little flirtation with the fact that he may himself throw his hat into the ring again. The people were excited about it. They wanted to hear the information from the man who ran this country for four years to record-setting peace and prosperity, things no one thought possible were done under this president. It was important for all the Republicans out there, all the conservatives, to hear that information and say, all right, we're going to move forward with the MAGA movement, with the Make America Great Again uh, agenda items, with uh, putting America first. And 95% of those surveyed at CPAC said, we want whoever the nominee is, whether it be Trump or someone else, to continue that same method. Yeah. And, um, and I think that tells a lot. I, I want to show you something else, another clip from Biden's trip to Texas. He stayed on script for this one, Hogan. Good. Uh, but he was having trouble actually reading a teleprompter. Watch. They never cry, Uncle. They just struggle, innovate, and they preserve and persevere. All right. Uh, I want to get your comment on that. Struggle, innovate, preserve, persevere. I don't know what he's talking about. He, he's obviously having missteps at the prompter. Yeah. And again, everyone has a misstep with the prompter every once in a while. We get it. But this is the president of the United States, and these are becoming so frequent. Um, it's so obvious he's got some serious issues going on. Well, and it's he not like quite... we don't know him from five years back, right. ten years back. Right. And he was a strong, strong, strong on point it, yes, all the time. All the time. And, and you compare those, and there, there really is no comparison. And it's obvious he's in drastic, really drastic mental decline. So, so I was asking you a little bit on the break, you know, what happens? I mean, it, it, it feels scary to think that this is actually the man with his finger on the button. No kidding. And I, I had the pleasure of getting to be with you on Air Force One. Um, and I remember sitting there just being shocked, sitting on Air Force One, nuclear football right here, you and the president right here, and it's all right there in this one little room. And I, and I keep visualizing that moment, Hogan, because I keep thinking about if something did go wrong, you know, that, that Joe Biden is the person who's supposed to make that decision. And I said to you, what the heck happens if there is that moment, God forbid, with everything going on with China? It isn't that, it isn't that crazy right. of a thought. Someone I was speaking to at CPAC made the point that, uh, and I believe it was um, someone in your orbit, made the point to me that regardless of what's happening in the world, everyone is focused on this CPAC speech. Every time they're getting ready for this. I said, right, that was my life for four years. Anytime the president opens his mouth, everyone's focused on it. This president got out of office. People still care about what he has to say. Now the focus is on Joe Biden. It's not just about what he has to say. The media are focused on all of that, sure. But it's what he has to do when other foreign leaders act in a manner that put American lives at risk, that threaten our partners and allies around the world. The focus is always on the United States. And if they're focused on a man like Joe Biden, who doesn't seem like he's up to the task, who can't do the job, it's a serious, serious problem, not just for America, but for the entire world. I mean, 
This is the greatest nation in the history of the planet. This is a nation that is the beacon of hope and freedom and, and strength and democracy and compassion all over the world. You have to have a leader who embodies that to some degree. Mm. And it seems like Joe Biden just can't, can't quite get it done. Uh, people don't come to Palm Beach for no reason. When people come to Palm Beach, they come here to talk to the president. I know that's what you're doing. I'm just curious if you can give us any insight as to how he's doing and what he's doing that we don't already know from CPAC. Well, I haven't spoken to him yet. Hopefully we get a chance to talk this week. Um, look, I know that his orbit's really excited about the speech. Um, I talked to some folks ahead of time who had some, some intimate knowledge of how that whole thing was, was put together. And, uh, you know, it, the president of the United States writes his own words. He's the one who wants the message. I've been there and watched him take the black Sharpie and fix little words and letters in each speech he, he gave. And he does it all the way up to when he walks out there. In fact, he's in the back. Um, right before he goes on stage, doing the same thing, pointing to the top him. arm, telling him to pick, telling him to fix yeah. it. So um, those words were very important, and I, I can't wait to talk to him and find out, you know, if, if you know what he wants to do in the future, how we can help push the MAGA movement forward and the America First mentality that he brought to this to this uh, this country again. Because for so long, all those politicians they focused on the Chinas of the world, uh, the Russias of the world, um, you know, the Middle East. Now we had a president who said, no, I'm going to put American workers first, right. American companies first, American businesses first, uh, you know, uh, the American people before all. And, and I think I don't think there's any going back. The time of those Republicans who are the, the self-loathing Republicans, the lovable losers, we lost, <laughs> but we'll fight next time. No, he says you fight right now because they're not going to give an inch and you can't either. And it's OK to fight back. It's OK to say when the media is wrong and when they are fake. I will do it. Now you have to do it too. Carry the mantle, and he's going to tell everyone how to do it. Awesome. Hogan Gidley, thank you so much for being with us. Coming up, I talked to Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton about how the states can fight back against the Biden administration, just like Hogan was talking about, especially on their immigration policies. That's up next. Stick around. More Dr. Gina Primetime coming at you right after this. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. So glad you are with us. I got to speak to one of my favorite new people in the conservative movement, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She is a rock star, and she was a rock star at CPAC this week, too. The crowd loved her. She joined me on set. Check it out. And I am here with just somebody I have wanted to interview for such a long time, Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene, and it is such a complete honor to have you here. I, when I met you, my very first words to you are, can you not stop causing trouble? You have <laughs> caused trouble from the moment you walked into the U.S. Capitol, and uh, I have a feeling you're not going to stop. Your latest, that, at least that I've seen, is uh, declaring something so incredibly crazy. You hung a sign outside your office that said there are two genders. What are you thinking? Oh, uh, telling the truth is the most <laughs> offensive thing that you can possibly do. 
as a member of the United States Congress. It but, seems so. Oh, absolutely. And so I, I'm sure you saw this week, as most people did, or maybe if they were listening to the fake news, uh, my colleague across the hall, uh, my Democrat colleague, Maria Newman, or maybe we should call her New Person because Oh, she, well, I think you should. Yeah, yes. New Person. Um, she filmed a little video where she started out on the nameplate, the camera did on my nameplate, and it turned to her and she planted the trans flag outside her office. You see, we were battling in Congress about the Equality Act, and the Equality Act amends the Civil Rights Act to say that there's a gender and sex is whatever you want it to be. And so I, I didn't, I'd never met her before. We'd never had a conversation until I, I saw this on Twitter and I was like, who is this person? Oh, come to find out, she's across the hall. And so I, I said, okay, well, let's make a video back for her to inform her of the truth that she's obviously confused over. And we made a sign that said, there are only two genders, male and female, trust the science because Democrats are all about the science. Right. And so we filmed it. Uh, the, the video started the same as hers on her nameplate, panned over to me, and I put the sign on the wall and then did the same little hand gesture that she did and tweeted it. Well, you know what? Then the uh, fake news media, the, the woke progressive activists that call themselves journalists claimed that I attacked her child. I absolutely did not attack her child. I reminded everyone of the truth. There's only two genders, male and female, and that's how God created us. We only have two sets of chromosomes uh, that exist, and that is the science. And unfortunately, um, that is the offensive truth that, that happened. Now, your name became a household among conservatives when one of the very first things you did was file a bill to impeach Joe Biden. Now, they can file all the bills they want to impeach Donald Trump, right. and um, he's not very impeachable, it seems, but, uh, but when you filed the bill to impeach Joe Biden, um, they quickly were just pearl-clutching over this. Yes, yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that's what led them to push to remove me off of committees. You see, there's something that Democrats do really well in, in the swamp, is they fight for what they want and they will not relent. Now, Republicans need to take a little note out of their playbook and we need to fight harder. And that's one of the reasons why I ran for Congress. I'm tired of weak Republicans. We need to work hard in Washington and stand up for our freedoms. And um, we need to hold uh, people who have actually done things wrong accountable. Joe Biden, his family, the Biden crime family, they have a history of abusing their position. Joe Biden abused his position as vice president. He abused his position in relationships. Uh, his family has had business deals with Ukrainian energy companies, Chinese energy companies. But at the same time, this is a man who wants to destroy American energy. And so I'm doing exactly what I told my constituents I would do when I got to Congress, and that's hold people accountable. And so I filed for articles of impeachment on Joe Biden. And now that they have ripped your committees, you have a lot more time on your hands, but you've been using it in a very interesting fashion. Tell us about that. Well, you know, here's the, here's the truth on committees. They're making it a big deal, but nothing's happening on committees for Republicans right now. The Democrats are completely in control. I call it a tyrannical Democrat government. The Democrats don't want to listen to Republicans. They don't want to listen to the policies. They don't want to listen to the ideas on committees. So they gave me a gift of time. And so what I'm doing with this time is I'm working hard back home in my district for my, with my constituents, for my constituents, but I've also learned a lot of tricks on the floor. 
and there's a lot of procedure that happens in Congress and there's a lot of rules and tricks that we can use to basically throw sand in their gears, uh, upset what they're trying to do and that's what I've been doing. And so one of the things that you've done, um, well actually two of the things you've done, you've filed some really important uh, Second Amendment legislation. Yes, yes. Um, this, the Second Amendment is one of the, the key issues I ran on because it truly sets us uh, apart from the world. Uh, you and I as American women, we are so fortunate to be able to own guns and protect ourselves if we are ever attacked, if someone were attacked, our children, our family, or uh, invade our homes. And the Second Amendment is something I will always stand up for. So I introduced two bills. One, the first one, completely defunds all federal gun control and would also defund the ATF. And this is something that gun owners really care about. The second bill I introduced will keep gun owners off of government list. Gun owners don't belong on a list that the federal government can track gun owners, track what kind of guns they own, and track how much ammunition they have. Um, so I introduced these two bills. Um, I've also co-sponsored a lot of pro-life bills, and, and I'm excited. I've been working hard with my Republican colleagues on great conservative legislation. Strong leader, certainly. Um, I wouldn't be doing my job if I weren't going to ask you about H.R. 5, uh, because that is a very prominent on the minds of conservatives today. We're, we're watching what's happening. This is a bill uh, that we will be a tab that we'll be really handing to our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Oh, it, it is something else. Um, $1.9 trillion. That's what we fought against uh, all day yesterday, but the Democrats passed it. And so $1.9 trillion of spending, less than 9% actually goes to any type of COVID relief. Only 5% of the money allotted for schools actually gets spent in fiscal year 2021. So our children have been the biggest victims of this politicized virus, and the Democrats don't care about helping them. They don't care about opening schools back, back up. But, you know, here's the thing, and everybody understands this at home. If you don't do your job, you get fired, right? Well, I think parents and taxpayers need to start holding people accountable and say, teachers, you don't want to go back to work and teach our kids, you need to be fired. Teacher union bosses, you don't want to, you, you want to hold children um, in cages basically at home. You know, they're all about cages at the border. Uh, but our children are basically being held in cages at home by, by not reopening schools and forcing their education to fall behind. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, no, that, that whole budget we voted against last night, but the Democrats passed. It's, it's, a, it's an atrocity and it's got to stop. Is there anything that can be done about it? Well, it's going into the Senate, so they'll be working on it in the Senate. Uh, they, they may kick it back and then we'll be voting on it again. Uh, so it's, it's like a ball, you know, ping pong, bouncing back and forth. Um, but the, I think really the biggest thing that the American people should know is our federal government is very broken. And, and we need people that are actually going to come in there and run it like a business. See, I'm a business owner. If, if I went into debt with my business like our federal government is, right. my business would shut down. I, I would be homeless. I wouldn't have a paycheck anymore. Uh, we, need, we need people that understand that and know how to run it with a budget, a balanced budget. Hey, maybe even make a profit and stop sending all of our tax dollars to foreign governments and building bridges and schools and walls in these foreign countries instead of serving Americans right here at home. So I, here's, my, here's what I tell people. Hold them accountable. They work for you. You're the taxpayer. You're the American people. 
and the federal government serves you. So hold them accountable and, and don't ever stop. And that's that's what everyone should be doing. And I think engage in campaigns of people that are strong, that are leaders, and that are going to tell it like it is, like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Right. Thank you so much Thank for you. being with me today. And I also got to speak with Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton about the Biden administration's assault on the states. Here with Attorney General Ken Paxton. Uh, Attorney, I just want to ask you, we're looking at so much uh, overbearing government right now. And I think the question really becomes, are there ways, because we can't do much on the national level, are there ways that we can fight back as states against the really Biden regime it's feeling more and more like. Yeah, I think that's a really important question. I think states need to work together to look at what the Obama, Obama, Biden administration. Whoops, the Freudian slip. You're getting into my field now. Biden administration is doing and we can work together to file lawsuits, to send letters, to work with Congress, to do whatever we have to do to stop President Biden from overstepping his constitutional role. And, and, and so what role does the average American play in that? Because I think that's really, you know, when you look at CPAC and, like, what's the point? It's not it's not to gather. It's not to give each other the rah-rah and the kindle, rekindle old friendships, although that's all part of it. It's really to come out with an action plan. So so what, what does that look like for the average American who's watching this show right now and they're saying, I want to play a part in that? I think, one, you encourage your own congressional representative to pass legislation that helps us. Second, I think you encourage your attorney general to get involved in litigation, if need be, like we did with immigration, to stop the Biden administration in the courts, because sometimes that's the only place we have to go to settle these disputes where we think the Biden administration is not doing what they're supposed to do as they're required by the Constitution. And talk to us about that, um, what some of the work that you've done uh, regarding deportation and, and what that all has involved. Yeah, as you're probably aware, on the very first day after Biden was sworn in, he issued many executive orders, one being that the immigration law should no longer be enforced, that being we're not going to deport people who are here illegally. Well, that's not his decision to make. He can't just rewrite federal law. Congress passed that. These people were elected, and they required that you deport people who are here illegally. And he decided for 100 days that would no longer be enforced. So we filed a lawsuit against him on his third day in office. And just last week, we got a permanent injunction to stop him from not enforcing federal law. And, and, and so what has his reaction been? What has the administration's reaction been? And, and do you expect to be able to I guess the words get away with that wouldn't be the right words, but do, do you expect that to stand? Well, so their reaction is that they've been fighting us in court, and we've been successful so far. We got a temporary injunction immediately, and then we get this permanent injunction, which means that this is in place. He has to enforce federal law up to the time that we go to trial, and they would have to be successful at trial. But the reality is the fact that we won the injunction tells us a lot that our chances of winning at trial are pretty high. And do other states follow suit then? So Arizona's filed a lawsuit, and I, I appreciate that. I'm trying to encourage other AGs to get involved in this particular fight and other fights as they come along, and I think that'll happen. Are you surprised that only Arizona has followed suit? Yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful that more will get engaged. I think, you know, it, the whole election process was so such a startling, you know, result for a lot of Republicans. I, it's almost like in some ways people weren't ready for the Biden administration to come in and do what they were doing. And there are so many other problems as well with the, with the uh, reopening of the border. We've had our own Ben Burkwam down on the border. He's followed this, and it's 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 unbelievable, really. They've they've stopped construction. They've sent uh, tens of thousands of workers home. Um, they've sent all the all of the equipment that was there and all of the uh, 
supplies to build the wall that were already paid for by taxpayers back to uh, the companies. Um, it, it's it's really kind of terrifying, and and nothing's going to be built, and these the walls are going to be wide open again, and these border states are going to be suffering the consequences. What else will be done? So it's really sad because we do have places along the border where we have walls, like El Paso, and it really does work, right. and everybody knows it works. So it's it's sad to me that President Trump did so much to advance the cause of, of protecting the border. And that Joe Biden has said, I'm not worried about this. As a matter of fact, please come here. We're not going to deport you. Sending the message that you should come here. And by the way, we're not worried if you have COVID or not, which we apparently don't care about. Suddenly. COVID doesn't happen apparently there. Not on the border, apparently. Yeah. So, and, and then we also have human trafficking. We have drug trafficking. That's all going to be opened back up. And this is something that he doesn't respond to when we bring it up. And, and so, so what happens next? I mean, we, we, we're going to just four years, we're going to have this massive influx again, basically undoing all of the progress that was made, the crime that you mentioned, um, the, the cost that we all know about. Um, and, and then maybe in two years, there will be some changing back of the guard. Is that what you're foreseeing? Well, as We've often heard there are consequences to elections, and right. the consequences here are pretty bad for the border, pretty bad for, for drug trafficking, pretty bad for human trafficking, pretty bad for the spread of COVID across the border. These are all things that the Biden administration is welcoming as they say, please, you're, you're not going to be deported if you come here in the first 100 days. And what are you hearing from the people on the ground in terms of regret for maybe electing this administration? Are you hearing that from your constituents? Well, so many of my constituents being in Texas didn't vote for yeah. Joe Biden. So, uh, yeah, I think there's some concern now that they see how left-leaning Joe Biden is. I think he had been viewed more as a moderate in, his, in, the, in, in the past. And now people are realizing that the left has taken over his, his agenda and that there's some very scary things that are going to happen to America while he's president. The media tried really hard to portray the storms as something that was, I guess, the fault of conservatives. But uh, many of us saw that as just a failure of a green energy policy that would be the policy if there were the Green New Deal in the entire country. Um, what's the real fallout as you see it on the ground there? Well, we started an investigation of ERCOT. That's our power grid. They, they oversee our power grid. And we'll know more after we get done with that investigation. But clearly, the fact that we were relying on wind that didn't, didn't produce and that we were relying on solar that didn't didn't produce. That was a part of the problem. There's certainly other factors that I think we'll find as we do the investigation. Attorney General Kim Paxton, Paxton thank you so much for being with us today. Up next, you won't believe the rules that New Yorkers have to abide by when they are dancing. This is not a joke, but you still won't believe it. That's up next for Dr. Gina Primetime right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Texas is now 100% open for business. The headline over Just the News says this. It is now time to open up Texas 100%. Governor Abbott says reversing pandemic and mask orders. Too many small business owners have struggled to pay their bills. This must end, he said. But 
over in New York City. Residents there are being told who they can dance with and how close. This is not a joke. <laughs> this isn't a story from the Babylon Bee. The headline says state mandates dance zones and distancing when weddings resume. Here to discuss Manhattan Republican Party Chair A.J. Katsimatidis and New York Radio City, New York City, I'll get this right, radio host Kevin McCullough. Thanks to both of you for being with us uh, tonight. Uh, let's go over the dance rules in New York City. You may dance with people only in your immediate party, household, or family seated at the same table, and you must dance inside a designated zone that is at least 36 square feet and at least six feet apart from other 36 square foot zones. Uh, guys, are you taking notes on this? You're writing this all down? Uh, Kevin, I'm going to give you the first chance to comment on this ridiculousness. Well, I think when you look at what's going on in Florida and you look at what's going on in Texas and then you see this ridiculousness, and really, I mean, we're, we've got even bigger issues than the uh, than the the pandemic to deal with because we've got a governor who's absolutely wrecked the state. Uh, we've got a mayor who's absolutely ruining the city. And I think a lot of these types of things that you're highlighting, this dance zone issue, is really just an overreach of some of the emergency powers, which are in the process of being taken away from at least the governor as of breaking news just a few minutes ago tonight. So. We're, you know, there may be some relief coming for New Yorkers, but in the meantime, we have to still put up with this nonsense that they figured out in Texas and Florida just doesn't work. <laughs> AJ, I mean, will people abide by these rules? You know, New Yorkers, are they going to do this? Because New Yorkers are pretty, I mean, I don't know, maybe they've gotten all compliant like so many people in the country have, but generally speaking, New Yorkers don't sit down well when people give them rules. No, we don't, but a lot of people are kind of scared into compliance. So first we had all of the mask mandates in New York, but I guess now we also have a tape measure mandate as well, and you're going to have to carry one of those with you as well when you're dancing out in public, so that's really unfortunate. But I think <laughs> people are starting to get to the point where enough is enough, and I don't think that uh, people are going to take too many more of these mandates. And luckily, uh, Governor Cuomo's powers are being revoked, and I think we'll see a lot of this ease up. Sounds like maybe. Kevin, are you concerned that Cuomo will be ousted for sexual harassment charges before he is held, you know, taken into account for killing these nursing home residents with COVID? Well, you know, what's interesting is that the re revocation of his emergency powers doesn't have anything to do with the sexual harassment charges at all. Uh, in fact, right. uh, the, the revocation of his emergency powers is directly related to his mismanagement of the pandemic. And uh, Majority Leader, who's a Democrat, uh, uh, Stuart Cousins, said tonight that everyone understands where we were back in March a year ago. We certainly need the, the uh, we see the need for a quick response. And tonight she said that our proposal creates a system of increased input and checks and balances, which is what the governor should have been under all along. So what we're talking about is public accountability. And that's where the citizens always win. When you hold elected leaders to their to, to what they're supposed to be held to, their own measure, their own law, uh, everything else, we win. It's when they overstep those boundaries that we lose and definitely uh, abuse them, which is what Governor Cuomo's done for the better part of the last year. All right, let's go on to something that's more fun than this anyway. Let's go on to our meme of the day.
Now, this meme says that uh, it says, I trust Dr. Seuss more than I trust Dr. Fauci. Uh, let's go to you first, AJ. You know, Dr. Seuss, though, apparently now he's going to be canceled. Six of his books canceled on his birthday because there was something, I don't know, probably, you know, racist or sexist in one of his books somewhere along the way. Uh, what do you say? Who do you trust more? Well, unfortunately, this meme really speaks to the point that people don't really trust people in charge anymore. Nobody really knows what's going on, and advice changes so much day to day, and that really speaks to that. So uh, definitely not Dr. Fauci. <laughs> How about you, Kevin? Well, let me just quote from February, this, uh, uh, March the 2nd, rather, 2017, when a certain someone said, Happy birthday, Dr. Seuss. The more you read, the more things you'll know, the more that you learn, the more places you'll go. Said Kamala Harris on this date. Kamala Harris on this date in 2017. That's so, perfect. you know, Kevin, let's just thank end you. it right there. That is perfect. And thank you to both Kevin and AJ for being with me. And thanks to all of you out there for joining me tonight and to everyone here at your new home for real news. RAV TV, Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6B, up next with Damon and the crew. I promise you'll laugh, hug your children, love your God, you go boldly now, and live the truth. Good night, everybody.